Today on the Matt Wall Show, it's election day, and it looks very different from any other election day in modern American history. Shops are boarded up. The National Guard, Guard is on standby. And none of this is being done to protect against possible mobs of angry Republicans. We know that. Also, five headlines, including a CNN contributor sincerely arguing that Donald Trump is literally worse than Hitler. And I think this is a, if Donald Trump wins, it's going to be in big part because of nonsense like this from media. Also, reports of families being ripped apart by political differences. Is there ever a good reason to disown a family member because of the politician they support? And finally, in our daily cancellation, maybe not the issue that's on the forefront of people's minds right now, but I will cancel daylight savings time once and for all. It needs to be done, and it will be done today. But we start here. You know, as America heads to the polls today, as I mentioned, it, 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 here's a question that I've been pondering. Maybe you can help me out because um, I, I can't really remember. Back in 2008 and 2012, did any businesses have to board up their windows for fear that Republicans would riot and loot if Obama won? And when Obama did win, both times, if you recall, did Republicans then riot and loot? Did they? See, what I remember is the Tea Party movement, which rose to prominence in Obama's first term. And I remember thousands of Tea Party rallies across the country. And I remember not one single example anywhere at any time of any form of rioting or looting at all by anyone. That's what I remember. And yet now in 2020, the scene in many cities as we get ready for polls to close is truly dystopian. It's the kind of thing that would have been unthinkable up until recently. The kind of thing that you saw in other countries and judged them for it and felt superior and thought, well, that doesn't happen here. We're too civilized. We don't do that here. But it does happen here now, thanks exclusively to the left and the Democrats, exclusively to them. Businesses across the country are boarding up. The National Guard is being called in. Preparations are being made for violence and chaos because of a presidential election. Here's a report out of, uh, out of New York by the New York, uh, the New York Post. It says, New York City restaurants are getting ready in case Election Day comes serve with a side of civil unrest. As retail shops from the Gucci boutique in Soho to the Macy's flagship on Herald Square board up their storefronts in case of riots, restaurants across Manhattan say they aren't fooling around either. Patsy's Italian, the 75-year-old uh, a Neapolitan eatery um, will be closed on election day for security reasons. And Sal Scognamillo, the restaurant's third generation chef slash owner, um, says that uh, they boarded up the eatery on Monday and also beefed up security, hiring two ex-NYPD uh, armed guards for election day and Wednesday when he plans to reopen. However, he says he will be monitoring the climate to see how it goes. We hope to reopen for dinner on Wednesday, but we'll play it by ear. In the case of restaurants, the New York Police Department has warned that outdoor tables and chairs that lately have become ubiquitous on sidewalks could be weaponized by riled up crowds. The advisory was addressed to Manhattan eateries south of 59th Street, but um, there are many other restaurants across the city that are taking similar precautions. And then in Chicago, you could see here images of the National Guard rolling into town. Um, a report by CBS in Austin talks about all the business owners boarding up in that city. It starts like this. It says, on the eve of election day, some Austin businesses were busy boarding up their storefronts in anticipation of the election day unrest. These are scary times, especially for my employees, said Jagat Patel. Patel's the owner of a 7-Eleven on Congress Avenue. He says, Cruz began boarding up his business with wood and plexiglass on Sunday. He says, it's something I thought I would never have to do. Um, and then meanwhile, in DC, it's especially depressing with whole city blocks under lockdown. Here's Nigel Farage in, um, in DC yesterday with the video camera going around surveying the scene, and here's what he found. 
So this is Connecticut Avenue. Um, it's the road up. We're not more than much, sort of half a mile away from the White House. And can you see what's happening here in DC? The place is being boarded up. Uh, one or two businesses have not yet been boarded up, but they will be by the end of the day. And this is right throughout the city. Uh, and this is in anticipation of real violence following the result or even an inconclusive result of the election on Tuesday. So it's eight o'clock in the morning. As you can see, a few protesters are beginning to gather. Um, I wouldn't have dared show my face down here later in the day, I can tell you. Um, and let's just, get, let's just be straight about this. Why are they boarding up DC? What are they scared of? Are they scared of Trump supporters? Are they scared of some of these slightly crazy groups out in America? No. What they fear is that Trump wins and that we get, you know, from little groups like this, large-scale violence, looting and rioting. And then you see here even more images out of D.C. from a BBC correspondent. I have to say it's especially embarrassing to have these international reporters and correspondents and things reporting on this because, like I said, we're not supposed to be like this in America. We, we don't riot over elections. We have peaceful transfers of power or peaceful retentions of power, as the case may be. But that era seems to be over, or most people think it's over. At least our, our confidence in having peaceful elections is gone. And for good reason. You know, um, but, but why is it? Why do these business owners uh, think that they have to put plywood over their storefronts? Are they worried about rampaging Republicans? Are they concerned about thousands of QAnon devotees descending on their cities? No, they're worried about leftists. They're worried about Democrats. They are worried about the reaction from the left should Donald Trump win. Nobody is concerned about the reaction to a Biden win, except for the possibility of celebratory rioting, which may well happen. But nobody thinks that Republicans will take to the streets and start stealing consumer electronics from department stores in response to a Biden win. That won't happen. I'll say it right here. And I'll eat my words if I'm wrong. I'll say it, it will not happen, period. And we all know it won't happen. Here's the truth, and, it, and this is not a simplification. It's the reality. Not all leftists are rioters and looters, but all rioters and looters are leftists. This is exclusively a phenomenon on the left. It is exclusively a tool, a weapon of the left. And if you want to talk about rigged elections, the main rigging happening in this election is, is, is the implied threat of violence should Donald Trump win. I have no idea how many people in cities, in, in cities and business owners especially, will vote for Biden simply because they're afraid of what will happen to them and their livelihood if Trump wins and the mob becomes enraged. But I'm fairly sure that there are a not insignificant number of people who are at least tempted to vote against their political beliefs and interests purely out of fear of the mob. And I can understand that inclination. But also, it's exactly why you can't vote Democrat. Putting everything else aside, if Democrats win, the mob wins. A Democrat victory is a victory for mob rule, mob justice. Yes, the mob will have its tantrum if it doesn't get its way. The rioting and looting is disturbing and sad, and if you're in the middle of it, it's terrifying. But the much more disturbing, sad, and terrifying prospect is that these people should get their way, should seize power, should have more than umbrellas and glass bottles to use as weapons against their political enemies. That's the terrifying thing. The mob cannot win. It must not win. It's gotten its way far too often, whether it's the violent mobs in the street allowed to destroy whatever it wants, or the cancel culture mob on social media, bending people to its will, extracting phony apologies through threat and blackmail. 
the mob in both forms is, first of all, always on the left, and second of all, always wrong, always evil, must always be opposed, denied, rejected. Whatever the mob wants, we should always do the opposite. When you've got a mob of people threatening violence, if you don't do X, Y, Z, that in and of itself is a very good reason to do ABC. And I hope that's the result today, but, and I pray for that result, but we'll find out soon enough. In the meantime, let's get to five headlines. Well, as we talk about voting, there's another kind of uh, sort of voting you can do, uh, and that's with your wallet to support companies that support you. And it's really important to support companies that have your back in the culture, uh, that, that believe the same things you do and stand for the same values you do. And I could tell you one company that definitely falls in that category, and that's the pro-life phone company, Charity Mobile. Um, Charity Mobile is a great, great company, great service. And 5% of your monthly plan goes to the pro-life, pro-family charity of your choice. So you can decide what charity you want some of that to go to, and that's where it will go. New activations and eligible accounts get a free cell phone with free activations and free shipping. And uh, look, there's no contracts, there's no termination fee. Uh, so they're not gonna try to, you know, um, stop you from terminating by, by, by leveling some sort of fee. And there's no risk with a 30-day guarantee. But at the same time, I think if, if you use Charity Mobile like I do, you're gonna find that none of that matters because you're not gonna wanna leave anyway. It's such a great company. There's live customer service based in the USA. And you've also got the ability to you know, protect your kids and your family by blocking use of cellular data, picture messages, text messages. You can have those parental locks if you need them. Uh, a, lot of other, a lot of other perks as well. Free usage alerts, free, a free app to monitor your usage, pay your bill, many other things. I know I use that with my charity mobile phone. Um, and here's what it comes down to. You can help to build a culture of life in America and you can turn everyday living into effortless giving to the charity of your choice. And it really is that simple. So. Call Charity Mobile at 1-877-474-3662 or chat with them online at charitymobile.com. All right, well, all eyes are on Pennsylvania today, which um, makes this tweet from the Attorney General of Pennsylvania all the more disturbing. He tweeted this on Monday afternoon, hours before the, the polls even would, would, would close, of course, or had even opened, in fact. Um, this is what he said. If all the votes are added up in Pennsylvania, Trump is going to lose. That's why he's working overtime to subtract as many votes as possible from this process. For the record, he's 0-6 against us in court. We've protected voting rights. Now ignore the noise and vote. Okay. The second part of that, whatever. Um, he's telling people to vote, fine. But the first part of it, is it, is it just me or is this guy indicating that he knows the results of the election before it's actually been decided? He said, he, he, he declared it, Trump's going to lose. So this would seem either to be an attempt to suppress Republican votes, all this, the complaints about voter suppression on the left, this seems like voter suppression. Suppressing Republican votes by telling people that there's no point, Biden's already won. Or alternatively, um, it, it could be something more sinister, perhaps criminal. I mean, if he really does know the results of the election before it happens, then we've got a problem. And if he doesn't know, then we're back at, uh, at voter suppression. Number two, the CNN contributor and uh, supposed expert on mental health uh, tweeted this. She might know something about mental health problems from experience, I guess. She says, Donald Trump is not an Ad Adolf Hitler. 
at least Hitler improved the daily life of his followers, had discipline, and required more of himself to gain the respect of his followers. Even with the same pathology, there are varying degrees of competence. Okay, so Donald Trump is literally worse than Hitler. He's just like Hitler, except less competent and less disciplined. That's the take from this person who's on CNN all the time. I think she's on MSNBC also a lot. No surprise there. Where do we even start here? Do we need to address the claim that the guy who tried to literally invade the world was disciplined? Um, do we have to break this down historically and address that? He had the respect of his followers. I, yeah, when you, when, you, when you require respect or you get sent off to a death camp, um, that, uh, yeah, that's pretty easy to extract respect. Though. It's not really respect. That's just people... Um, in fear because they're living under tyranny. But I, you know, probably it's not necessary to analyze this historically. Um, I think I'll just leave it at this. If Trump wins today, it'll have a whole lot to do with stuff like this, I think. People see these kinds of attacks from the media and then rightly dismiss everything else they hear from the media. Also, there are a lot of people who see the hysterical and despicable media and vote Trump just to spite them. I've heard from a lot of people like that. Now, that's not the majority of Trump's support. If you look at the rallies, people are obviously excited about Trump, you know, in, in, in a positive sense. They actually like Trump himself. But if this is a close election, uh, I, I don't think it'll be an exaggeration to say that this sort of stuff in the media is what probably put Trump over the top. People voting just to spite them. Number three, Bernie Sanders was speaking with the squad recently, and uh, he said the quiet part out loud, as they say. Or maybe he just said the out loud part out loud, because I think they've been pretty upfront uh, and direct about this. But here's what he had to say. So our first task, we've made it clear to everybody, it's no great secret. Our first task, we've got to defeat the worst president in the modern history of this country. And number two, we organize our people to make sure that Biden becomes the most progressive president since FDR. Yeah, I'm not sure, uh, first of all, what that was exactly. Does, does the squad have a podcast or something? Do they get together for karaoke? So I'm not sure what the context was of that. But either way, Bernie says to the squad, uh, we've got to make sure Biden is the most progressive president. We, we've got to make sure of that. Which is another way of saying this dude's brain is made of soggy Cheerios at this point, And we're going to use that to our full advantage. That's what they're just announcing. Now, Biden, even if he had his wits about him, certainly could not be trusted to stand up to the radical left because he lacks the willpower. He lacks the courage and integrity. He's just a mediocre man, uh, a career politician. Almost all career politicians, by necessity, are uh, exemplars of mediocrity. But considering he is half senile, on his way to being full senile, he couldn't resist them even if he wanted to. And that's a part of this whole picture um, that somehow hasn't been discussed and emphasized enough. It's been discussed and emphasized a lot, but I, I, I still think not quite enough. Because perhaps the, the, the only argument that should have ever been necessary to make against Joe Biden is this. I mean, there, there are many other arguments you could make, but why, why should we need to go further than just saying he's 78 years old and he's losing his mind? That's it. I mean, really, nothing else even matters. 78 years old, and he's losing his mind. We, we, we can't put this guy in charge of the country, give him the nuclear codes. We can't do that. Maybe we will do that. I don't know. 
But all of the crises that follow will have been totally foreseeable and preventable in that case. Because in that case, we'll be taking a guy who's 78 years old, is in the process of losing his mind. Everybody knows it. We make a joke about it, but it's also 100% true. And uh, we're putting him in the White House. The most stressful job. You know, when, even if Biden were to just go home like he should be, just go home, sit on his porch in a rocking chair and uh, whittle away the, the final years of his life, even if he did that, um, the, the chances are astronomically high that in the next four years he's going to be full senile, just when, the, if, when you look at the trajectory. But then you put him in the most stressful job in the world, there's really no chance of any other outcome. So what happens? What happens when we have a senile president? I mean, are we going to know about it? Are they going to be honest with us and tell us? What happens next? What do we do about that? I don't think anyone knows exactly because this is going to be, um, this is going to be untread territory. But we might find out. Hopefully we don't, but we might. Number four, there have been a lot of stories in the media about how the election is tearing families apart. So here's one from Reuters. It says, when lifelong Democrat Myra Gomez told her 21-year-old son five months ago that she was voting for Donald Trump in Tuesday's presidential election, he cut her out of his life. She says, quote, he specifically told me, you are no longer my mother because you're voting for Trump. Um, their last conversation was so bitter that she's not sure they can reconcile. Even if Trump loses his re-election bid, the damage is done in people's minds. Trump is a monster. It's sad. There are people not talking to me anymore, and I'm not sure that will change, uh, said Gomez. Gomez is... Um, not alone in thinking that bitter splits within families and among friends over Trump's tumultuous presidency will be difficult, if not impossible, to repair even after he leaves office, whenever that is. In interviews with 10 voters, five Trump supporters, five uh, Biden supporters, a few could see the wrecked personal relationships caused by Trump's tenure fully healing, and most believe them destroyed forever. Throughout his nearly four-year norm-smashing presidency, Trump has stirred strong emotions among both supporters and opponents. Many of his backers admire his moves to overhaul immigration, blah, blah, blah. Okay, we don't need to read that part. Okay, so the, um, of course, Reuters is blaming Trump for this, so, which is stupid. But I think there are two points here. Number one, political differences in a family can make for great arguments and debates over Thanksgiving, which are always fun. But if you're disowning family members over them, you're not only a bad person, you're also very stupid and boring. Um, I don't understand people who take political disagreements personally at all, but especially in a family. In my family, you know, we, we, we basically agree on the, on the fundamental issues, but we still find plenty to debate and argue about. And we have these knockdown, drag out debates over all kinds of things. And um, it's a lot of fun. Nobody gets their feelings hurt. At least I don't get my feelings hurt. I don't think anyone else does. And we're fine. Just imagine being a grown man and running away crying, saying that you never want to talk to your mother again because she disagrees with you politically. My God, I, I, I can't wrap my head around that. I cannot even contemplate having a political debate with my mother and getting so emotional that I run away screaming, I never want to see you again. Get away from me. I can't imagine reacting that way to anything, least of all a political debate and even less a political debate with my family. So learn to embrace these arguments and differences. It keeps things interesting. Imagine if you, if you were in a family and everyone agreed about everything and there was nothing to discuss or debate. I, I can't imagine living in a family like that. Number two, another point, though, um, that I always think about when I read stories like this, which is um, 
why are you talking to the media about your family drama in the first place? So I'm sorry for Miss, Mrs. Gomez that uh, her, her son is treating her this way, but what a, a reporter from Reuters calls you up and says, hey, um, I was wondering if you wanted to air your dirty laundry about your family in front of the entire world. I'm, I'm doing a story. Do you want to tell the entire world about the strife in your family, in your home? Do you want to? Oh, you do. Great. That's another thing I can't imagine. Uh, so those, those are the two tips to take away. If you have debates in your family, that's good. It's a good thing. It keeps things fresh and interesting. But if you do have serious strife and drama, uh, maybe keep it out of the media. Keep it off of social media, too. We have an epidemic of oversharing in this country. Much, much of it happening on social media, but also through traditional media as well. Nobody needs to know. No, no one needs to know if you hate your mother or if you're having problems with your son. Uh, no one needs to know that. Okay, number five. Let's see. Yeah, I think we're on five, right? Okay, finally, as we uh, wait for the polls to close, I've looked at a lot of the early voting numbers and the exit polls myself. Um, and I wanted to show you a few maps that I drew up just based on how I ran the numbers. I thought this would be interesting to do. And I haven't really given my predictions, but I wanted to do that now. So, so first of all, this to me is the most plausible scenario. And I'm, I'm going to say right now, this is my official 2020 prediction. And you can look at the map here. I've got Kanye West winning 286 electoral votes and becoming our next president. Um, as you can see there, Kanye takes California, Texas, Florida. Biden takes PA. Trump does, does pull out a victory in Minnesota. This, I would say, is the most likely scenario. Uh, and I think we can all agree that, that if it does happen, it'd be pretty great. Let me show you, let me, let me show you the, my, my nightmare scenario. And uh, I can't rule this out. Here's the map right here. As you can see, the whole country has turned into an emoji. Um, this, again, for me, is the nightmare. Montana and Minnesota are the eyes. South Dakota is the nose. Then you got the mouth there, smiley face. Horrifying, um, but a possible outcome. And I'm a little worried about this also. Uh, this is kind of a horse, as you can see. Washington is the head. Idaho's the mane. That could be a horse or a giraffe. I don't know, but this is a concern. So we just don't know how it's going to end up at this point um, or what the picture, what, what picture the country will ultimately draw. But we'll know soon, hopefully. And this is the kind of analysis that you get from this show. Everyone else is doing serious election analysis and predictions. And I'm over here like, look, mommy, I drew a horsey. That's, that's me. That's, that's the kind of political pundit I am. What else did you expect, really? If you're looking for intelligent political analysis, I don't know why you came to me in the first place. Speaking of intelligent uh, political analysis, I can tell you where you can get it. The presidential election is uh, happening now, and um, our live stream starts today at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific, featuring special guests, live interviews, and more leading up to our evening show, where we will be covering the results with you in real time. And even better, you can join Daily Wire now, get 25% off with code election, so you can watch all of our election coverage live on our Apple TV or Roku app. Members get our articles ad-free, access to our live broadcast. You get three hours of Ben Shapiro show. You get all of these... Um, all of these uh, perks as well as you can, if you become an All Access member, you get to join our All Access Live every night with one of our hosts where we have a discussion. And you also get not one, but two Leftist Tears tumblers. So lots and lots of perks there. If you want to watch the election again, dailywire.com, get 25% off your Daily Wire membership with code election when you sign up today. All right, let's get to our daily cancellation. Now for our daily cancellation today, I know this isn't the issue that is most important to people right now. But it's important nonetheless. 
That's why today I'm canceling daylight savings. See, what happens every time we fall back, as we did uh, on Sunday, is that I have to listen to a bunch of people talk about how great it is to get an extra hour of sleep. But I always know that those people are not the parents of young children, because any parent of a young child knows that kids don't follow daylight savings. They don't care what the clock says. So you push the clock back. All that means is that now we're waking up an hour before the crack of dawn instead of waking up at the crack of dawn like normal. Um, my kids have been waking up at 4.30, 4.30, ever since daylight savings ended. Admittedly, our situation is compounded by the fact that we moved to Tennessee and went, went, went back an hour, then we moved back another hour from daylight savings, so my kid's biological clock is still two hours in advance of what the clock says, which makes it harder when I have to listen to all of these privileged, well-rested people go, oh man, so great to get an extra hour of sleep. Refreshing. Really? Is it great? Is it refreshing? That's good. Tell me more about that. Tell me more about how great it is. I haven't slept since, I, I have not slept past 6.30 in seven years. So tell me more about waking up at 9 a.m. I'd love to hear it. I'm so happy for you. And we're being put through this for no reason. Daylight savings is totally arbitrary and pointless. I remember in school, they told us that, you know, we do daylight savings for the farmers, right? But this is just one of the many random things they lie about in school for no reason. It actually has nothing at all to do with farmers. Why would it? How would it help farmers for us to randomly move our clocks forward and then back? They have to be up early to milk the cows regardless. Cows aren't going to adjust their schedule any more than my kids will. Neither will, neither will their crops. So this was not done for farmers. Do you know why it was actually done? I bet you didn't know this. It was done so that a New Zealand bug collector could have more time to collect bugs. That's true, I think. That's what I read on Wikipedia anyway, five seconds ago. A guy named George Hudson in 1895 decided that, that he wanted more time after work to look at beetles or whatever, so he proposed that we move the clocks forward and pretend that it's later than it really is. And everybody was like, okay, sounds good. And we all agreed to just pretend that time had shifted so that this freak could play with his bugs. Now, I may be condensing things a little bit. Daylight savings wasn't actually adopted nationwide in our country until 1966 with the Uniform Time Act when the president signed a law simply declaring that the time will move for forth and then back or that we all must pretend that it moved. Think about how crazy that is. It's like a law that says that we all have to speak in pig Latin on Tuesdays or wear yellow pants and hop up and down for 14 seconds every third day. But it's worse than that because... We're trying to move time itself. We're trying to manipulate actual dimensions of reality, and not even in a cool or interesting way. I mean, if we're going to do this, why don't we all decide that March doesn't exist? Just white March off the calendar. That way we get to the summer faster. We could pass a law and call it the March Erasure Act of 2021. And from henceforth, there's no March. If you had a birthday in March, you no longer exist legally. So you will be killed. We could talk about that part of it, but, but, but you get the idea. Or here's something better. Let's turn Thursday into Friday, Friday into Saturday, and then we can give ourselves two Sundays, thereby creating a four-day weekend. Or we could get rid of time, days, months, and years completely, and instead, you know, your age will be judged based on the number of pigeons you've seen in your life. So a person who lives in the city might be 6,000 pigeons old, while someone in a pigeonless era might be, area might be three or even zero. You know, we, we could do this. We could move time forward and back. We can do this too. 
Or the alternative, we could just let the time be the time. Let the clocks run. Stop playing God. Stop tormenting parents with young children. And live our lives with clocks that operate consistently, not arbitrarily. This is something to think about as you vote today. Or I guess not, because no candidate has made it an issue, sadly. Maybe next cycle. But um, I, I, I believe there, 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 is, there is just no good argument anymore for daily savings. The only argument for daily savings is just, is just that it's what we do. That's the only argument. If you ever talk about this with someone and someone defends daily savings, their entire argument is just, yeah, but you know, this is just what we do now. Okay, well, let's stop doing it. The bug collector has tormented us for over 100 years. Let us free ourselves from this maniac once and for all. That is uh, my final message to you on this election day. And remember, again, to tune in um, very soon, dailywire.com, as we're going to have election coverage. It might get a little bumpy tonight and into tomorrow, but we'll see. Pray for our country. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Astrologers predict a win for Biden. Cookies predict a win for Trump. And the Pennsylvania Attorney General gives the state to Joe before Election Day. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.